and God speaks to me. I don't know if it was audible or not, but he speaks to me very clearly. And he said, he showed me a flickering light and he said, you're being an on and off Christian. And then he said, you're either all in or you're all out. Hey, my friends, thanks for listening to the show. On behalf of Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton, and this is the Toddcast. On this show, we hear from everyday people about how Jesus transformed their hearts and made them step right out of themselves. And my guest today is living in Nanaimo on Vancouver Island, British Columbia. Flew out here just to be on the Toddcast. So good. And he's partnered with us at Disciple of City, and he is the training coordinator on the west coast of our vast country. Let's welcome Francisco Castro. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, bro. Good to be here, bro. And thanks for coming. Thanks for flying out here to be on the show. My honor, bro. <laughs> My pleasure. Uh, truth be told, Francisco's out here on all kinds of ministry adventures, so I appreciate you uh, taking the time to be with us today, bro. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Praise God. Um, dude, so... Well, first of all, congratulations, new new little one in your life. Yes, thank you. Third daughter, praise God. Amen. House full of girls. Yeah. Good being a dad, eh? Oh, I miss them. They're amazing. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. You'll be back with them soon enough. Yep. Uh, man, so you, you grew up in uh, Nanaimo. Man, tell me about... Uh, your childhood and, and growing up, or did you guys, your family grow up in the church or they, were they believers or? Yeah. So, uh, my parents are Chilean. Uh, they moved to Canada around 36 years ago. And, um, shortly after they had me and then a few years later they had my daughter, I mean, I'm sorry, my, my sister. And, uh, yeah. So like Chileans are pretty religious, pretty Catholic. And, um, so my parents took us to the Catholic church when we were, um, super young and I don't remember at what point, maybe around 10 years old, they kind of stopped taking us. We went through like the first communion and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, they just kind of stopped taking us when we got old enough, I guess, to decide for ourselves. And so there was a bit of, I don't know if I wouldn't really call it faith. It was just more of a traditional thing, but um, I definitely am thankful for some of the seeds that were sown, uh, just regarding God and, and Jesus in my life. And so, yeah, there was, that was really it. And I didn't really have any other experience with church or at least not like the, like a Christian church, which back then I didn't really know the difference. Yeah. So you, you grew up, that's similar to me as a kid, right? right. And so you, you sort of, you believe in God, but yeah, it's kind of just that. I kind of like... I was at the point I was like, I want to believe in God, but how can I possibly know which God, which religion? Because mm. I wasn't born again, right? I didn't have that relationship. So I was definitely wanting it, but I didn't know how I could possibly know the truth. Yeah. So we've talked before um, just about our lifestyles and similarities and stuff. So as you grew up, what what did you do for work or, you know, through your teenage years and stuff, how did things start going in a different direction for you? Yeah. So I kind of started like, uh, experimenting a bit, mostly with like drinking alcohol in like grade seven and, you know, like smoking marijuana around then. And then kind of throughout high school, grade eight and on things just started to escalate a bit. Like I did decent in school. Um, but you know, just partying on weekends and, as I grew older and even into like 
um, university, like uh, my partying and my drinking just got out of control and then started to like do kind of more harder drugs. That was kind of like, yeah, just the direction I was headed. Um, and I like, it didn't help that I worked at a restaurant that was like, had a super party kind of over sexualized environment. Mm. Um, I was like, I was a cook. And so like we, we would all get off and just go party right away. And so it was definitely, uh, not helping my situation out, <laughs> my addictions. Like, and, and then, but I had like, I had great parents, like they were good parents and like I was in sports and stuff, but then, yeah, I guess it just, it's just started to get out of control as I like throughout high school into university is just like, and then kind of like, as you grow out of sports, you're, cause for whatever reason, like you don't keep going unless you're like really good. Um, you, you kind of stop doing sports and then you're like, you know, you just like, Oh, more partying, more alcohol, more, you know, more women type thing. It's it's interesting in our culture, right? That actually, now that you say that, with with sports, when you're young and in high school, like you're all in and it's mm-hmm. all about that, and there's all kinds of options and different levels for kids to play, and then all of a sudden, like you say, if you're not really really good, mm-hmm. it's it totally. And then university and college yeah. here in North America, as, as much as it is for an education and to prepare your life, really for most people, mm-hmm. it seems is just a huge party. So mm-hmm. what, what did you go to university for? What were you taking? So yeah, I, um, I actually did a, like a year of computer science type stuff, but, uh, I soon realized that that was not me. <laughs> I was like, I was totally being judgmental, but I was like in my classes and like being like, man, I do not fit in here. Like it was like, I was still in that mentality, mentality of partying and, and, and women. I'm like, there's no girls in my classes. (laughs) That's, that's what I was like, obviously focusing on. And so I, I ended up dropping out of that program. I took a year off and then I'm like, what? And then, you know, my parents, again, they're amazing. And obviously like wanting the best for their kids. Right. They're like, um, yeah, wanting me to go to university. And so, um, I was trying to figure out what to do and I just felt like business is a safe thing to do. So I, um, I started, so the first year you kind of doing all, all the different types of business, all the different things you can, you can do. And then I'm like, Oh, accounting sounds pretty good. Like my grades were pretty decent. And then like second year I started to kind of more focus on accounting. And then I'm like, it started getting harder. <laughs> my grades were going a bit, you know, down a bit. And I'm like, ah, this is too hard. So then I'm like, Oh, what should I focus on? Marketing. Cause that's creativity. And I think I feel like I learn and I'm more, of that side of my brain or whatever, more than numbers. And so I ended up, um, um, getting a, uh, business degree and with, uh, the focus on marketing. Yeah. I think I, and I think I, I graded in 2010 with that degree, which then shortly after got saved and did nothing with it, but that's okay. <laughs> God just totally, yeah, we'll get there, but that's what he does. Yeah. yeah. So then, I was going to say one more thing too, just like with sports. Um, and the other thing I didn't mention is there was a lot of bullying in school, mm. elementary and high school in my life and my sister's life. Mm. My parents actually ended up sending my sister to Chile for like seven years or something. Wow. And, but the connection was, so most of our, most of my family's there, but the connection there was my dad was trying to get her to try out for the national soccer team 
the Chilean national soccer team. She made the team and she played at least one year, uh, played at least one year on the national team um, for soccer. And uh, I was a little jealous, but it, um, like, like I was saying before, like to play soccer professionally, because that was like my main sport. You got, you had to be like really, really good. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was okay. But, but then, um, but anyways, bullying was like a huge thing in my life and same as my sister. And that's why my parents actually like, we need to send her away because it's so bad. Really? Yeah. And so, um, and then for me, I mean, I was bullied too, but I guess, I don't know, guys and girls are different, I guess. And I just, um, stuck through it. And, and then it is interesting. Cause like, as I grew up, I lost a bit of weight and then I like became like the center of atten- attention in like the parties when I, so when I would get drunk, I would like be a different person. Right. And, um, I, it was just kind of crazy that just how it changed, how like people, girls, friends all started to like me more. Um, as I grew up, lost weight and then like was this crazy party animal. So I, all of a sudden was just, it's almost like I became popular overnight type thing. And, um, and I was like, yeah, so it was like, I was just looking, I really, I really liked that, right? Cause I was so broken in that void inside of me. It was like loving the attention, mm-hmm. the acceptance, the love from the people, from the girls, from the, from my friends or who I thought was my friend in high school. And then we all became somewhat closer, uh, through the partying days. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of, that was part of the whole, like the partying and the drugs and the, that lifestyle kind of getting out of control because, I was really loving the attention that I got from it. Hmm. That's um, man, that's interesting and, and sad all at the same time. And that'd be seven years of not growing up with your sister. Like how Dude, old were you guys? Right. Um, that's a good, good question. Oh, it's not like you're ripping down there for the weekend to visit, no, right? No, man. Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely hard cause we were somewhat close. And then for even her, for your parents, like your totally, mom and dad. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cause we were a pretty close family and I mean, uh, I think it was for the best too. Like she got so much experience and playing for the national team was amazing. And, and then her even getting close to like my grandma and my uncle, I think was really good for her. Cause I, we, both of us, um, other than that experience, we didn't have grandparents and all that growing up cause they're all in Chile. And that's kind of why it's so cool looking at like my daughters and how they have like all their grandparents like so close to them. Yeah. They have like three sets of grandparents. Did your sister stay down there or did she come so up she here moved back? Yep. She was in a relationship there and that didn't end up working out. And then the soccer thing didn't work out after a while. Uh, a lot of toxic, unhealthy stuff going on in that realm as well. Um, in the soccer professional, the soccer team, a lot of toxic stuff and stuff that my sister didn't like. And then uh, at that point, uh, there was not really any more reason for her to be there after the, Oh, she, so she went to school there as well. She actually got, I don't know if it's her master's or something in like uh, interpretation. So like technically she could like uh, work for like governments and stuff to like show to interpret like English and Spanish type stuff. So she got like a master's in that. So then after schooling finished in that relationship, no more soccer, there was no more reason for her to stay there. And so she ended up moving back and then meeting a guy and getting married. And now they're in Nanaimo as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. So for you, man, you've, you finished university and, and then what, what happened? Cause this is where we're getting yeah. close to the goods. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> 
basically, um, so I was working at this restaurant. Um, it's just that, you know, party kind of environment. And you I, never got into, you never got into a company or a business for what you went to school for. No, I, um, I was at this restaurant for nine years from 17 to 26, but partway through is when I encountered Jesus and I encountered Jesus because I overdosed. I overdosed on Halloween, I believe it was 2010. Um, yeah, just, just did way too much stuff. Um, and ended up overdosing, waking up in the hospital and basically through that process, um, and around that time, my wife, who was my girlfriend then, she actually ended up going, I think it was just shortly before this, I overdosed. She ended up going to a mother daughter retreat at a Bible camp. And she actually ends up giving her life to Jesus at that weekend. And then she was faced with this decision to like go away for Bible college or stay with her first boyfriend, which was me. And mm. she, and she chose me and, uh, which I'm thankful for because <laughs> she, she then started kind of sowing seeds in me about Jesus. She was like reading a devotional, um, to me and different things like at night and, um, she actually ended up living with my parents for a while cause her parents ended up, uh, divorcing. So she would read this, like <clears throat> this book, this devotional to me at night. I was like, ah, oh, whatever. But then like when I overdosed and started recovering, something in my heart was like, you need to go to church. And I was like, babe, um, we need to go to church. She's like, yes, we do. So she was already kind of like born again, or at least the seed was there in her, but there was no discipleship in her life. And being in a relationship with me was kind of pulling her down into worldly stuff. So when I'm like, Hey, I think we need to go to church. She's like, yes, we do. And, it's, and thinking back, it's like the only reason I said I need to go or we need to go to church is because God, there's no other reason. Like why would anyone desire that? But God moving on your heart, you know what I mean? So we ended up going to this church where a friend of mine who got born again radically saved, like, uh, one would his life. And I saw the change. I'm like, what happened to you? He told me about this church that a lot of young people go to it. So we're like, let's go there. So we end up going first day. And, um, I'm like a fish out of water. Like, but it's interesting. Cause like I was telling you, I was, um, the only church experience I had was Catholic church. So we walk into this church. It's in a gymnasium. I'm like, what? How's a church in a gym? <laughs> right? Uh, pastors dressed casually, not in priestly robes. There's no stained glass windows. I'm like, I was partly um, intrigued and partly judging. Oh, bro, I'm 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 laughing right now because that's exactly the same really? for me. Yeah. When I walked into the church, I had the same thoughts. Really? The clothes on the pastor, yeah. the the no stained glass. Where's the cross? Right. All that. Yeah, yeah. And then like the band, and there's a drum kit. Like <laughs> yeah. that seems blasphemous. <laughs> but uh, so we walk in, man, and I don't remember the message, but there was the gospel being preached at one point, um, and they did an altar call, and they but they did it. Um, put up your hand if you want to receive Jesus. And I'm not gonna lie, like actually. So I'm feeling convicted, but I actually look over to Kirsty to see if she would put up her hand first. And then she did. And so then I put up my hand, but God ended up using it. So we put up her hands. Yeah. First time walking to church and they just said something like, you know, if you want a new life, if you want eternal life, if you want to give your heart to Jesus, uh, you know, put up your hand because, you know, because they shared the gospel that he died and rose again. 
And I'm like, man, in my heart, I'm like, man, I hope this is real. I hope this is, I hope Jesus is who he says he is. So uh, upon putting our hand up, another pastor from behind comes up to us and he, um, he's like, Hey guys, I just noticed you put up your hand. And then he just like kind of told us a little bit more about what it means to be born again. And then he prayed with us and on the spot, we just prayed to receive Jesus to repent. And bro, like, I don't know, instantly like, boom, it was like, Oh my gosh, God's real just in that moment. And then like, it was immediate that I actually got set free of drugs and pornography. It was instant. Like I was like, wow, I don't need that anymore. It was just, boom, it just fell off me. Um, and then, so I'm born again, I'm changed, I'm set free, but I still have a, an addiction that didn't fall off. I don't know why. Maybe it was, uh, just stronger. I don't know, but I was still addicted to alcohol. And so at that point I'm changed. I'm convicted. I have Holy spirit. Like I feel like I'm born again, or at least in that process in the yeah. seed came in, something was happening to me, but I was now like, I was getting drunk Saturday, going to church Sunday. And I did this for a short while of time. Um, I was basically like, I don't care how I feel in the morning. I need to get to church. Right. But God didn't really let that happen for too long. And he convicted me. We were in a worship. We were in worship, uh, one morning, I think it was a Sunday morning and God speaks to me. I don't know if it was audible or not, but he speaks to me very clearly. And he said, he showed me a flickering light and he said, you're being an on and off Christian. And then he said, you're either all in or you're all out. And I'm like, wow, wow is right. And I said, wow, I'm all in. I'm all in, help me. And I knew he was talking about, well, the main thing he was talking about was just the hypocrisy that I was just living there in that short time of just like getting drunk and then going to church. <laughs> and um, as much as it's a full surrender and all that, but I was like, I'm all in, help me. And so I actually started to seek help um, genuinely from God and from people. And I was like, I would turn to this one guy who had been through something similar and just asking for his advice and, you know, some, um, some tips and what it was like for him. And then I would obviously turn to God for help and like God set me free from this. And man, uh, I don't remember. It wasn't long after that. I don't think it was like, I just like had this awareness. It was the weekend and I'm like, Oh my goodness. I have no desire to go clubbing. I have no desire to drink alcohol. This, I remember, man, I was like, this is insane. I've, and then I, even after that, at one point I like took a sip of beer or something. I'm like, this tastes gross. Mm. It's like, he must've changed my taste buds or something, but I got completely delivered to that. And like, and then like, just, yeah, I just started to witness miracles. And, um, and there was one point where I remember in the morning I was kind of half asleep, half awake. This is t- like around the same time where I actually had an experience and I wish I was fully awake, but I know it was real in my stomach area. Uh, something happened. And I, the best way to describe it is I felt, um, it was like a trans transformation, a transformation feeling is the best way I can describe it. And they say your spirits in your stomach, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was me getting born again, but something happened in my stomach shortly after. And that was like in the morning in my bed, something happened. I felt it. I'm like, I woke up. I'm like, Whoa, what was that? So, um, yeah, just began to get changed from the inside out and, and also kind of crazy one week before we get baptized, um, Kirsty ends up waking up terrified, um, cause she had a dream that Satan appeared to her 
in mm. the room. And he was like wearing this like dark cloak, lightning bolts, and his face turned towards her and it was deep darkness and it went straight towards her. And then switch, she woke up terrified and we were baby Christians. And I like, I like jumped out of bed, turned the light on, grabbed my Bible. And like, I, I didn't know what to do. We were freaked out the next Sunday. We go tell our pastor and I think he was just trying to stop us from moving forward with God and baptism mm. just to show you the power of baptism. But, um, we told the pastor, he's like, Oh, didn't you know greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world? I'm like, no, I didn't know that. Thanks for telling me now. Like, <laughs> I could have used that knowledge, you know? So I, 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 like baby Christians, man, we, I didn't know. Um, yeah, I, I didn't know anything. I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know anything at that point, but I was hungry for the Bible. Yeah. That's another pack. Part of the package again, born again is like this insane level of hunger for the word of God came with it. Yes. You know what I mean? Like oh, I was, yeah. there was times, bro. Uh, Kirstie would come home and I'm devouring the Bible and she's trying to talk to me and I'm like acting like she's not there. And I know it sounds rude, but like, I was just so hungry for the word. I'm just reading, eating it. She's like trying to talk and I'm like, I don't even know she's there cause I'm so hungry. And she's like, she was telling me she like was almost jealous that I was spending so much time in the word and not with her. But obviously like things are different now. I do spend time with her, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's incredible. You know what's really interesting, dude, is that you said that you had no desire, like it, like you had no desire to to drink, right? And it's, I think that's something that's largely misunderstood, right? People might think that it's, it's legalism or right. that you have to stop, but it's not about whether you do or don't. Right. But and I mentioned this because it was similar to me, yeah. where we were obviously like abusing it, right, or, or what we were doing. Yeah. or what you were doing wasn't good yeah. and the power or of him taking the desire from within you yeah. as opposed to a pastor telling you, Hey, you're a Christian. Exactly. Now you shouldn't drink. That's, a, that's it. That's really wild. Okay. So, um, your guy's baptism was that, why did you guys decide to get baptized? Was it something that you read or what, or yeah. was it, or because you were going to church or what was that? What was really cool is when we started going to church there, um, at the same time we started going, they, they happened to have, to start this discipleship group. And I don't remember if it was like before service started or after, but they just, I don't, I, it's, it seemed like God just set it up for us because there was nobody in it, but me and Kirsty, And then the one pastor who ended up um, leading us, like coming from behind us and who actually ended up marrying us. But um, so it was called new beginnings. And so he went through like repentance he went through baptism. So just giving us the understanding and the knowledge of what the scriptures say. And as a follower of Jesus, I'm like, yeah, I'll obey Jesus. He tells me to get baptized. Yep. No problem. But it, you needed, we needed the understanding and the knowledge right through the Bible and through Holy spirit, obviously convicting to be like, yep, no problem. I'll get baptized, wash away my sins or bury the old man as you know what I mean? As, as we got understanding. And so it was not, honestly, it was not hard, man. I just feel like we were special cases because sometimes things seem slower or not that God loves us more. I'm not saying that at all. It's just like sometimes some people are kind of instant. Some people are longer process and it's all good. God loves all of us and he, everyone's different, but man, it was just like, God's real. I'm all in mm. and, and not that I was perfect, but I'm from that moment, man. I was just like, yeah, anything, Jesus, I'm in Bible, worship, uh, church, baptism, evangelism, all of it. I'm in. Yeah. And 
God just started doing all that as I stepped out, as I agreed with him, as I allowed him, as I yielded, as I stepped out in faith, uh, as I obeyed, God just kept meeting me and, and yeah, I just got to know him more and more. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So how, what led you eventually then to ministry? Cause at the time, so you guys got baptized together, like at the yeah. same service. Yeah. That's really cool. So what led you to full-time ministry? One real quick thing is my whole family got saved after I did. Hey. My parents and my sister, praise God. Um, so I actually, really cool, God gave me the revelation right off the bat that as soon as I got born again, I was in ministry. Well, wait a minute. Hold on a second. That was pretty profound that your whole family yeah. right after that. So just look, like. I preached to them. I said, come to church. They saw the change in me. I'm like, you guys can't, first, you can't deny it. Second, you, you got to come to church. I was a bit forceful. My mom was the harder one, surprisingly. Uh, she was very resistant at first, but God got her, man. And they just love church. They love God. They love Jesus. And as much as I, you know, right now I want to, as for everybody, I want to see people like on fire for Jesus. You know what I mean? Burning like evangelism, all of that. Uh, but no, man, like it was so cool just uh, to see them all. I kind of used the guilt trip a little bit. I was like, mom, I'm your son. Like, don't you love me? <laughs> Come to church. <laughs> no, but yeah, man, so crazy. And my sister was visiting, I think, uh, from Chile. And I actually ended up leading her to the Lord before the day before she went back to Chile. That's, that's really awesome because yeah. typically that doesn't happen with yeah. people's families, right? Yeah. They think, Bro, they think something happened to you. You're, yeah. you're nuts. Yeah. Our child is in a cult. Yeah. Well, even like my... My wife, right? Like couples, there's so many stories that only one of the, you know, the couple comes to Jesus and then that brings a, a bit of a division. Yeah. But we ended up coming to Jesus, like, cause she came to Jesus before me, but then when I gave my life to Jesus, she kind of recommitted. And then we like ever since have been going after him together. Yeah. Wild. So ministry. Yeah. Ministry. What led you to ministry? So yeah. So like off the get go, God gives me this revelation that I am in ministry that I don't actually have to have a pulpit. I don't have to be paid because so what God did was surround me when I got born again with on fire, young people who actually used to take me out onto the streets. We were doing, um, treasure hunts and praying for people, seeing miracles off the get go, bro. As a young believer, God just surrounded me with us. So blessed to have that. So I have a saying when you hang around the fire, you catch the fire, right? So they had fire and, um, I, Ended up catching the fire and basically since then have been releasing the kingdom, preaching the gospel, praying for the sick and all the stuff since I got saved. And so fast forward to like five, six years ago, God actually, so even through my secular job, so I got saved when I was still at that restaurant and at that restaurant, I started to release the kingdom, bro. There was servers I had crying in the background, like in the, in the compound. I was laying hands on, on uh, cooks and chefs and preaching the gospel. And they all thought it was crazy, but God was moving and people were getting healed and like encountering God. And so like after a while, God's like, you need to get out of here. You've been here for nine years. And so then God opened the door for another secular job where I was working with at risk youth. And in that job, so sorry, I was actually, the building maintenance guy of a at-risk youth housing. 
So it was a live-in job. So me and Kirsty, my wife, and then our first baby moved into there. So I'm just like doing maintenance, repairs, uh, janitorial stuff. And guess what I'm doing there? I'm releasing the kingdom. I'm preaching the gospel to my, my boss. I'm preaching the gospel to the youth. I'm laying hands on youth, seeing them healed. I'm laying hands on my boss, on different staff workers. I'm speaking in tongues in the hallways, vacuuming, getting downloads from heaven. So I've been faithfully kind of obeying Jesus in like the great commission and just releasing his kingdom ever since I got saved through all my secular jobs with the, with knowing I could get fired. This is not allowed, but God protected me through it all. And so God opens the door. Um, I actually like to joke, like I was literally scrubbing toilets before God brought me into full-time ministry. So it's just kind of humbling and cool. Um, so he opened the door about five, six years ago with YFC. There was a guy in town, Paul, amazing guy. He, um, that's youth for Christ. Youth for, for Christ. We, yeah. So we had a mutual friend and we ended up meeting and then, uh, one thing led to another and it was just like, yep. Um, I actually started coming out to like youth groups and stuff and we ended up, we we're like working towards this, like, yeah, just come out, we'll see how it works. And then like, yeah, it just led to like getting hired on by youth for Christ and fundraising. And it was a miracle. It took me three months to get fully funded, which was a total miracle. Cause like, I remember Paul being like, how long do you think it's going to take you to get fully funded? I was like, I don't know, a year. He's like, Oh, I don't know. Man. That's going to be hard. A year is going to be hard. I was saying, and I'm like, okay. And then boom, three months, all funding came in, kind of took it as a sign. And then, uh, yeah, like was able to like, um, leave the secular workforce, I guess. Not that there's anything wrong with it. Like I was saying, I was releasing the kingdom there too, but then, uh, yeah, joined youth for Christ full time youth ministry. And that was fun. I learned so much, man. So much stuff that I am using today. Um, saw some cool things, healings, saw young people come to Jesus, saw baptisms, uh, started different. I started, um, I ended up like taking over the South end of Nanaimo. So I kind of, um, not broke apart. Like me and Paul just went, um, just covering different areas of Nanaimo. I was going to say split up. Like we're still on the same team. We just took different parts of Nanaimo. And so he like kind of empowered me to go. And so then I started like an outreach. So my heart was always this, you know, revival evangelism. Right. And so I was like trying to see how that fit in with youth ministry. And, and I was pretty blessed to have, um, so my Paul, who's my like regional director and then my ED, uh, executive director who was in Victoria. Like I was super blessed to have freedom to like go for those things in my heart, as long as there was like some level of youth involved. Right. So, um, so yeah, I started these different programs. God started opening doors. Like we, I was in the schools, um, uh, doing like soccer programs. I was in, I was doing the outreach every Wednesday. We were doing outreach evangelism and that grew to huge. A lot of people coming out to that, including youth, and then obviously COVID hit and then like the numbers went way down, but it, but it was still amazing. And we saw a lot of fruit. Um, and then I started like a discipleship group for like young adults. So like God was just molding the ministry. Right. And, and then actually ended up using COVID and all that to like mold it even more, which is super awesome. Um, I'll, I'll get to 2020 in a bit here, but, um, so yeah, anyways, like my heart, God was just moving on my heart and like, um, yeah, really just like refining the vision, 
you know, and God really used Youth for Christ, uh, again, so many ways, like, even, like, the fundraising part, like, everything I know about fundraising and stuff was because Youth for Christ and everything I learned there, if I didn't have, like, that, that knowledge and stuff, like, it'd be a lot harder now that I'm with this Disciple of City to, like, uh, grow that partnership base, but, yeah, there's so many things that I learned that God actually had used Youth for Christ foundationally in a lot of things in my life that I'm using today. So, but yeah, saw amazing things. It's almost, fruit. it's almost as if he has a plan. I think so. That's playing out before us. Hey, eh? be. <laughs> <laughs> so bro, you, you've um, mentioned in your story a bunch of times, miracles and seeing healing. Can you, can you share some stories? Tell us some, yeah. give us a story from the restaurant. Sure. Um, well, it actually starts with when I got born again, the pastor told me to read a book called when heaven invades earth it wrecked me bro um it talked about modern day miracles it so it was like um in the book it was talking about jesus and miracles right like yeah that's easy for me to believe jesus i see it in the bible yep and then it starts talking about modern day miracles and modern day dead raising and my mind was blown like i was wrecked i was destroyed in a good way like i wasn't uh um what's the word um I wasn't doubting. I wasn't critical. I was like, no, there's no way this is for today. It was like, are you serious? This happens today. So it's very childlike. God just, I guess it was obviously the Lord's grace to, for me to even respond like that. But I'm like, oh my goodness. So just reading verses like Mark 16, uh, 17, 18, how it says believers will lay their hands on the sick and they'll recover. Believers uh, will see demons cast out, things like that. I'm like, wow okay well i'm a believer let's go <laughs> so i started laying hands on people bro a year and a half of praying for people as a new believer new believer saw no one healed not one zero nada and but there was this persistence in me i didn't give up i didn't create a theology in that moment I'll be like, Oh, I guess doesn't God doesn't or excuses. I didn't, I didn't go there in my mind. I was like, I see it in the Bible. God, your word's true. So I have to see this in my life. So a year and a half goes by nothing. And then boom, something just cracks open as I put it. And I start seeing miracles. But it's like, I went through that almost, I don't know if it was a test. I don't, I don't know what it was, but I went through this year and a half, bro, that I just kept going, kept pushing and pushing and then boom, start seeing miracles. And so I've seen all sorts of things healed. But, um, my wife actually ended up, uh, her leg growing out about an inch, which was crazy earlier on. Um, I saw cancer healed on the street and then it was proven by doctors. And I found out seven months later, I actually ran into the guy so he, so this guy's like walking past me limping and I'm like, bro, are you okay? What's going on? He's like, oh, I've got cancer in my knee or hip or whatever it was. I was like, oh man. Like he's like, I can barely walk. I'm like, is it okay if I pray for you? He's like, uh, sure. I pray for him. All the pain leaves. He gets up. He's like freaking out. He's like, I couldn't do this. What's going on? I'm like, bro, Jesus loves you, man. He died for you and just shared Jesus with him. So boom, like the pain left, right? I'm like, okay, well, I'm not a doctor, but you're healed. <laughs> so then that was that. I run into this guy seven months later. He's like, do you remember me? I'm like, nope. He's like, you healed me of cancer. I'm like, what? You healed me? Of I'm like, uh, well, first of all, no, I didn't, but Jesus did. And then he's like, well, I went to the doctors 
and they couldn't find any cancer. I was like, come on. Wow. So that was really good for me and the people I was with even just to be like, okay, he was healed. Wow. So yeah, at the restaurant even, or one time I was on shift and my two bros that love Jesus show up for like a late night snack and they're eating and then they come up to see me before they leave. And one of the servers walks right in between us and she got, she was raised Christian and I don't remember who said what, but we're like, I don't know if it was a word of knowledge, like if, if God showed us what was wrong with her, but like we ended up like coming to a place of like, she, she's telling us, so can we pray for you? Do you got pain in your body or something? And she's like, I have scoliosis curvature in my spine. And we're like, whoa, let's pray for you. So I was on shift in my like cooking outfit and my, my friends were just hanging out. So we laid hands on her and after we were done praying, she said she couldn't feel the curvature anymore. She, she could feel it before she couldn't feel it. And she said, when we prayed, she felt like, you know, kind of like when either like someone puts like a needle in your arm for, um, IV or whatever, and you can feel like the liquid going through your nerve or your veins or whatever. Mm. She could feel like this cool sensation going down her spine, kind of like that, like this liquid or something going down her spine Mm. when we prayed and her spine, like got straight. Wow. Yeah. It was crazy. So, uh, yeah, that's some really great, great stories there. So, um, so then you, you met obviously Adam through YFC and so then the transition into Disciple City. So now you're, you're part of the Disciple City team Mm -hmm. on the West coast and what's, what's going on in the West coast. You just had an event a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Essentially the first every Disciple Sent event. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Talk, talk about that. Actually, after all you've been through, um, you know, with, with you coming to faith, your wife, uh, your baptism, seeing your family come to faith, doing the stuff with YFC, seeing all those miracles as if you weren't already sold out or know in your heart, how real Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Tell us what happened to you at your, your event a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah, so we, uh, yeah, I just felt to do an EDS on the island. So I called it Vancouver Island, Every Disciple Sent. Uh, our first one was last weekend in Nanaimo. And yeah, it was like Thursday night, Friday night, and then all day Saturday. And then we ended up with Saturday night. So Saturday night, um, after worship, I was kind of facilitating, like, you know, Holy Spirit just move. You know, because I don't like to just transition from one thing to another. Like if we're having an encounter, like let's keep staying in that place. So just kept facilitating that. And then at one point I'm like, I need to just give the mic over to the speaker who's my bro, Jeremy. Um, and I'm like, bro, just keep going. Just like whatever you feel like, whether it's going to the message and ministering or whatever, but don't like keep this flow going. Right. So then he, he kind of takes over and he starts like sharing some stuff and sharing like God make us worthy of the call type thing. And then, and then goes into like ministering the father heart. And then like, so I'm, I'm uh, kind of taking pictures and of people and people are getting ministered to God's moving. People come to the front, these like three young men that like have had father issues and God's just totally healing hearts and father wounds. And so I'm like minding my own business, kind of like joking around a little bit with Will, my bro beside me and just not in this, in that moment, I wasn't like, God, touch me, wreck me. And all of a sudden my face uh, goes from zero to a hundred in, in terms of a, of heat. Like it just felt like it was on fire, like actually heat. Like, you know, when you have a fever, but like it wasn't a fever, my face caught fire 
and I hit the deck. I just fell. I collapsed, not because I just, oh, I'm just going to go down. No, like I fell under the power of God. And I was screaming. I was, I was wailing, travailing. I was crying. Um, I couldn't control it. It was supernatural. And it was a different kind of presence that just entered the room in that moment. And I, I say like, it was, I don't feel like it was Jesus or Holy Spirit. I felt like it was the father that just showed up. It was different. I couldn't operate. <sighs> Even thinking about it now, it's just crazy. It just wrecks me. But there's people crying. It was just insane. As I'm on the ground for like 30 minutes at least, can't even move. Um, no one no one had laid hands on me. The guy beside me, Will, was also getting, like he actually the one that started to cry right before I got hit. And you could tell, he doesn't, it seems like, I don't know, to me, like I've never seen him cry. So like to hear him like kind of cry, but it was like a, almost like a yell, like he almost shouted in his cry. So it was, oh, it's crazy. It wasn't like joy. It was amazing. It was good, but it was like, I don't want to say painful. It was different, man. And the father just showed up his heart, his love. And God just began to like heal father wounds. People were getting reconciled, coming to the front and sharing their story. And like in sharing, God was healing them. And we ended up coming around this one young guy who didn't have a dad growing up. We all laid hands on him. We're all bawling our eyes out. It was incredible, man. It was the, one of the wildest encounters I've ever had. And not only that, while I was down, I then started coughing. I started coughing out of nowhere. And um, I was like, wow, am I getting delivered right now? What's happening? And it probably was getting delivered of something maybe deep-seated or, I don't know, something that I didn't even know was in me. But it was like, it was insane. Like, you'd ha- you have to be there to experience it, <laughs> to know what I'm talking about. Mm. But it was different, man. It was such a cool way to end the the first VIEDS, you know, like, oh my gosh, is this what we are to expect at all of our EDSs and all of our gatherings and praise nights and meetings? I do believe that like God's going to begin to move from power and in tangible ways like we have not seen. It's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's mind blowing to me that, that God continues to show himself to, to somebody who's already all in, right? Like you've, you've now given your life to wanting to share this stuff with strangers. You've had experiences and you know, it isn't about experiences. It's about faith, but nonetheless, you've had these experiences. You've seen these signs and wonders yet he still wants to show us more. Right. And it just lends truth to him being the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. It's Mm -hmm. we'll never fully know until we're with him. Mm -hmm. So it just blows my mind that we can continue to have these experiences. So, um, let me ask you this man and we'll just, we'll wrap up here, dude, we're running out of time, but, uh, let me just ask you this. What, what are your, what are you with all you've seen and encountered? What are your ultimate hopes for all your girls? That they would encounter him at a young age, be lit on fire, know him, and never have to go through the darkness that I went through. As much as people say, oh, like, I wish I had a story like that. When you're, when you, when you're raised Christian, that's such a powerful testimony. 
I think it's just as powerful as someone who comes out of insane darkness. And that's going to be my daughters as much as they're going to have the choice. But if I, my wife and I do our as best we can in raising them up in the ways of the Lord, I want them to, I want them to be godly and to follow Jesus with all their hearts to like see miracles, to speak in tongues as little children because they can. Um, and best I can do is just represent them well. And yeah, I just, I'm believing that they're going to, know him even more so at this age they're seven five and three months old but um yeah i'm in pray i'm just praying believing that they will never walk away from god just walk with him for the rest of their lives precious as a bro yeah just to have uh them not experience the things that you and me and so many others have experienced that's so good man yeah bro bro thanks a lot for coming in and sharing your story my pleasure i mean i've heard i've heard bits and pieces of it before but i'm touched dude Amen. i appreciate it thank you for having me um obviously people can find you at discipleofcity.ca but you have your own page um your ministry well, just just on social media, just Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, I don't have uh, anything up and running right now because kind of put that stuff on pause since I joined Disciple of City. So um, yeah, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, or even YouTube as well. On YouTube, uh, I think it's Francisco Castro Ministries. If you look that up, you can find me on YouTube, and I have a bunch of teaching videos and different things I've done, testimonies and stuff. But yeah, or Francisco Castro on uh, yeah, Instagram and Facebook. Cool, man. Love you, bro. You're a blessing. Thanks, Thanks for coming bro. out. Thank you. Thanks for having me.